Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to OCC Online Gathering. We're really glad that you're watching and tuning in with us this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name's Ian and I'm uh, one of the leaders of the church here. I'm really uh, just delighted to be able to uh, get, for us to be able to gather together and and, and share some moments of, of Holy Spirit moments. I, I, we're praying for this morning as we sing and worship and hear God's word uh, together. So please use the comments feature, the chat function. Drop in any comments that you, you know, maybe inspire you or, or what is a scripture encouragement that might just be really uh, meaningful for somebody else. So please use that function to engage throughout the course of this morning. But go, I'm going to read some scripture and then we're going to go into a kid's song and then Ben and Vicky are going to lead us in some more worship after that. But let me read a few verses from Psalm 111 to you. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord with all my heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The Lord's works are great, studied by all who delight in them. All he does is splendid and majestic. His righteousness endures forever. I love that, don't you? All that he does is splendid and majestic. His righteousness endures forever. And so as we sing, engage with this song now and as we engage with worship, listen to God's word a little bit later as John's, John preaches. Let us come with that sense of um, adoration and worship of the one who reigns over all, who is splendid and majestic. And allow, allow that truth to stir in our hearts this morning. Uh, so thanks, Phil. If we could play the kids song, that would be amazing. Do you ever feel like Noah, saying, is this really God? When people all around you think that you seem really odd. Lift your eyes to heaven and take one step at a time. Get these words inside your head and say them line by line. I am safe within the ark. I am safe. Within the ark I don't care If I see them laughing at me I'm exactly where I'm meant to be
to encourage you this morning that no matter what you're going through that God has done amazing things in your life that if the only thing that ever happened to you was that Jesus died for you on the cross and made all of us sinners free that that is enough Um, we're aware that there are many of us who are struggling there are many of us whose hearts are grieving and I'm a, a science teacher and I spend a lot of time marking and I've just been really encouraged um, during this time of lockdown to listen to God's word as a body of work. And, you know, that's how the early church heard God's word. They didn't sit and read it. They heard it from people that they love, people that they know. And I'm not very good at picking up my Bible and reading it, but when I'm marking exam papers, I can definitely listen to the word of God. So um, there's an amazing pattern in the Psalms that when you listen just really jumps out at you and there's this turn of phrase that is even though yet and then they declare who God is so I would just love it in the chat as we sing this next song if you could um, let us know what your even though your yet and declaring who God is is I think that would be absolutely amazing if it's even though I'm anxious Yet I cast my anxiety upon you because you care for me. Or even though I'm grieving, yet you are near to the brokenhearted because you never, ever leave us. Even the grave can't separate us from your love. Whatever that phrase is, however you're going to walk your heart through those phrases, as we sing this next song, it would be lovely, lovely to hear people's. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? His love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Whoa, Jesus, I sing for you've done for me 
chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king of glory who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of his brilliance the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you lay down your life that i would be set I sing for all that you've done for me. It's lovely hearing people's comments in the chat. Keep them coming through, guys. Let's just declare who Jesus is. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free oh jesus i sing for all that you've done for me When I 
it's one of one of those lines uh, from that song really uh, struck me. Uh, when I trust you, I I don't need to understand. Um, and I wonder this morning, maybe maybe you're in a place where you just don't, you you don't understand, and you're seeking, trying to understand the things that are going on in your own life, let alone in the world. You know, maybe maybe you know we we concentrate so much on the effects of COVID, which is which is true, but actually our life consists so much more of the effects of COVID. And maybe there's some things that you're going through that you just don't you, you just can't grapple with. You know, and there's a there's a there is a, a promise, there's a hope that that the peace of God will transcend our, under, our ability to understand as we put our trust in him. And, you know, sometimes we, we've, we've really just got to lay down those, those, these, those control tendencies to, to try and understand everything that happens in life. You know, I, I, no doubt for those of you who are watching, you know, those of you who are maturing the faith and those of you who are just, are just starting, We've all got moments in our lives where we felt like we were being crushed and broken and, and pounded as if like we couldn't get through and, and where else could we go? But one thing that I've come to know to be true is that God works in the moments of our greatest challenge and greatest pain to bring out a new new life in us, a new hope in us that's, that's res, that is birthed out of, out of trial and suffering. It's a cheery message, isn't it? But actually, the hope is that we come through those even more, uh, more grounded, more rooted, maybe understanding some things less, but having a greater degree of trust in the one who reigns over all, who is splendid and majestic and whose righteousness endures forever. And so I just want to pray for you in this moment before uh, we do anything else, whatever it is that you're facing at this moment in time that you will indeed know the peace of God, the rule of God, the, the reign of God in and through you. In the midst of under, mis, uh, uh, lack of understanding or in understanding, whatever your circumstance and situation, that you would have an increased ability to put your trust in him, knowing that he is good, perfect, kind, generous, gentle in all his ways. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask in this moment, you know the hearts of each and every one of us. You know the, the 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 seen and the unseen things of our lives, where we have the greatest struggles and the greatest celebrations and the greatest breakthroughs. But in this moment, Lord, I'm asking that you would, uh, your peace would reign in the hearts of your people, and that there would be this overwhelming sense of trust in your goodness, in your mercy, in your kindness, in your ability to accomplish your plans and purposes, as we set our hearts towards you. And Lord, may we even lay down uh, the desire, the need to always be in control and always know something and always understand it. And simply put our trust in you, knowing that you're working out your purposes in us for your glory and our benefit. So Lord, help us to be that kind of people today. Holy Spirit, would you just minister by your grace into the lives of your people? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. And so just take a moment just to reflect and receive from the from the Spirit of God what He wants to do in you in this moment. 
drawer I have pictures of various households and chaos and kids running around and noise but that doesn't mean to say that the spirit of God cannot and will not be active and present in those moments see in fact he specializes in chaos and bringing peace and stillness to your hearts In a moment, we're going to transition and just do some things that we, we need to let you know about. Um, as part of our worship, you know, you're, if you're able, uh, as part of your worship, if you're able to give into the, uh, to the life of the church, then it's a, it's a continuation of worship. It's, it's not something separate. It's not just something we do. It's a heart response to that which God has, um, has called us into and participate in as an act of worship. And so... There'll be a moment that'll come up there in a minute. Do you know, I'm really struck this morning by the, the call that is upon our lives to, to live a life, a whole life of worship. Not just some parts, not just the, again, not just the bits that we understand, but all of life lived as an act of worship to God. Because he loves you, he's called you, and he's purposed you. He's anointed you. He's commissioned you. He's shown his favor upon you and poured out his blessing upon you. That's who you are as his chosen people, who we are as his people. But Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing this morning and all that you will do. And as we turn to your word in a few moments time, would you Help our ears to be open and our hearts ready to receive that which you want to speak into us even further this morning into the depth of our hearts that we might become more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Ben, Vicky, thank you so much for just leading us uh, this morning in those songs um, really uh, sensitively. Um, just a couple of other things I need to let you know about. Um, in fact, just just. Yeah, there is just a couple, but uh, the Lent video, we're going to show a Lent video in a moment, but last week John mentioned about a, 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 a course that we're going to be doing over the over Lent period, uh, doing it in connect groups using uh, um, uh, using a resource that has just been, uh, John has found really helpful and will be helpful for us as a group as we explore discipleship and apprenticeship to Jesus as we lead up into uh, into Easter. So I'm going to, Phil, when do we play the video, then I'll come back and... Uh, explain a little bit more. I don't know about you, but this year is flying by. It only seems like yesterday we were celebrating Christmas, but now we've done our 21 days of prayer. And this week, Wednesday, uh, Lent starts. Lent, this 40 day period where we get the pancakes the day before, uh, but 40 days where we, uh, so many people around the world give things up in preparation for the amazing thing that happens 40 days later, uh, Easter, where we celebrate the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and so this year, we want to encourage you to join with us. Uh, we're going to be working our way through this book. 
uh, Apprentice to Jesus. It's a 40 day discipleship journey that we're going to start on uh, Ash Wednesday, this Wednesday coming. Uh, if you're in one of our connect groups, then we want to gift this book to you. Uh, and so you'll get a copy of that. Hopefully you'll get that before Wednesday so we can start in our connect groups daily, just journeying together and then weekly uh, just reviewing what God is doing in our lives. If you'd like to be part of it and you're not in a connect group, you can always get into a connect group. We will try and get a copy to you uh, of this book that we will gift to you if you want to be part of one of our connect groups. If not, then uh, you can jump on uh, to Amazon and different shops and, and get this book, uh, Chris Rogers, Apprentice to Jesus, and you can join us on this journey. But I'm just really excited as to what God is going to do in and through us as we seek to grow in our discipleship uh, over these 40 days as we lead up to Easter. I think this is just an exciting opportunity uh, that is coming out of the season we've been in, where if we dig deep into who Jesus is and who we are in Jesus, I think we could be really surprised at what God can do in and through us, in the lives of the people around us that God has put across our path and in our town and in this nation. So church, I'm praying for you. And uh, if you're able to and want to, let's journey together as we seek to be disciples of Jesus. I, I don't know about you, but I'm really looking forward to this journey over Lent. I know that um, in the, the 21 days of prayer, it was really good for our Connect group just to, to journey over those 21 days together through in prayer and sharing scripture. So if you're, if you're a Connect group leader, you should have a cop, some of those copies of, of that book to be able to distribute to you. But I'm pleased to say there are now don't all rush at once, but there are four copies available. So if you're not able to get into a Connect group, uh, for, for various reasons, or you are, you may struggle to purchase that book uh, yourself, then please get in contact with the church office uh, and, or John and Sue, and they'll be able to, to work that through with you. But there are four copies available for, um, for available to you. Um, now, the other thing I just need to let you know about is a, an assessment tool um, that is that's coincides with this resource. Um, I did it the other night. It takes about five minutes or so, five to ten minutes. It's not a long assessment tool. But it's really helpful to, uh, for you to understand how you're wired and how you engage um, with, with God in the discipleship journey around head, heart and hands. Um, so it's really, really a really practical uh, way of just understanding how you're wired. So that link should be up there in the chat now. Uh, you can follow that um, just to help us and help you on the journey. Now, there's a unique code that's attached to our church. So please fill that in and then it'll help us to get a broad spectrum um, there's, of, of how we're wired as a church, a community, there's no personal details shared, so don't worry about that. It's just a, it helps us to get a picture of where we're at as a church. Um, so there we go. I think that's it for me in terms of the um, assess the uh, the Lent video and Lent course, and it's over to John. Great, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ben, Vicky, and Phil for uh, leading this morning. I, I didn't want to rush. Um, just what I felt God was doing during the worship, and I think God is doing something this morning um, through what I've prepared to share. And um, I just wanted to read Psalm 147. Uh, just sense that someone may need to hear this. It says, uh, "He heals the brokenhearted." Psalm 147, verse three, that God heals the brokenhearted, that maybe there's just some that even on this Valentine's Day, your heart is broken um, for, for what you're going through, what you're experiencing. Um, and I want you to know that God sees you uh, and God is the healer of broken hearts. Um, and this morning, as we gather into his word, my prayer is that we would encounter his presence. 
um, that this isn't just a moment of entertainment. Uh, I know I'm probably on a screen in your house somewhere, probably a screen that we would normally consume uh, some kind of uh, drama or sitcom or whatever it is that we watch. Uh, but this morning is different. This morning is the gathering of his church um, to, to hear the voice of God, to, to shape us and mould us. And so my prayer is that our spirit would be open uh, to hear God this morning. Uh, and I specifically want those of you to know that are broken hearted this morning, that, that God is with you. Uh, and he heals the brokenhearted. So I want you for this morning, if you can, just to put your trust in him to do that. Uh, as I pray that as we journey through his word, that he might bring healing into your heart and bring wholeness into your life with whatever it is that you're struggling with this morning. Um, and so uh, if you've got a Bible, turn to Philippians. We're in Philippians chapter three um, as we uh, sort of kind of come to the conclusion of this letter. But it's it's a lengthy conclusion. It's two chapters because Paul is a pastor and so he never finishes things quickly. And so last week we started uh, this final thought of Paul and if you've missed any of these messages then you can jump on our website and watch those services or listen to those talks and um, but my, my message this week is kind of a two-parter from last week um, and like any good drama they do a previously on don't they so uh, in that vein let me just explain a little bit that Paul in the first few verses of this chapter uh, has been kind of explained explaining who he is and what made him who he was, that, that he had all of these credentials that made him something. Um, and that there were these group of people that, that have been going around some of the churches saying that actually uh, you need to be like Paul was in order to follow Jesus. Uh, and, and what they're specifically saying is that there's certain Jewish traditions that you need to take on in order to follow this uh, Jewish Messiah, Jesus. Uh, and that meant circumcision. Uh, and Paul is, is listing all of the credentials saying, well, actually, I've got all of this stuff. And in verses five and six, he's saying, look, I've got all of the credentials. I was circumcised on the eighth day. That should be enough for those of you that are saying we need to be someone like you in order to follow Jesus. He says, I'm of the tribe of Israel. In other words, I'm not a convert. I'm, I'm the genuine article. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, he says. Uh, when Paul is writing this, 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel have, have disappeared and dissolved. And, but, but he knows he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Two tribes remain, Judah and Benjamin, the tribe that Jesus is from, and Benjamin, the tribe that Paul is from. He's saying, I can trace my history. There's no doubt in who I am. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, there's, no, there's no mixed heritage in my line. I know the right language. Um, I, I am the genuine article. Uh, I I, I am uh, when it when it comes to the law, I'm a Pharisee. I know this book, this Old Testament. I have it memorized um, and I know what you should and shouldn't do. And then uh, as making an example of others, I, I know who's got it wrong. I persecute those that say that's something that that I don't believe in. Um, and uh, and Paul could prove that he had this heritage. Paul is the very one in Acts who's going from house to house, dragging men and women off to prison, calling them to be stoned to death. He holds the coats of those that stoned Stephen, one of the early church leaders. He had the credentials. But when we get to verse seven, we see what he views those credentials as. And where we landed last week at verse seven, I just want to take off this week as we go verse seven to 11. So I want to encourage you, uh, the words hopefully of this passage will come up on the screen. Why don't you read along? Why don't you follow in your Bible and read them out? Uh, this is a moment where God's word can speak into our lives. And so starting in verse seven, it says, but everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that. I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung. So I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. 
My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. A phenomenal passage of scripture that I hope uh, I I can uh, help us unpack a little bit by the help of the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, But I wonder, have you ever given up something? Uh, We're coming out of 21 days of prayer. Uh, Maybe you've been fasting. Maybe you gave up some food or some social media or the odd meal during that time. We're going into Lent. It's a time where uh, Christians around the world for 40 days uh, give something up in preparation for Easter. uh, So we can just uh, understand just what we've received from God as we lay things down. Uh, So often when we give something up, we give it up in order to focus on something else. So we might give up sweets in order to focus on being healthier. We might give up social media to give us more time to be with God or our family or whatever it is it's not always easy um, I've tried giving up biting my fingernails for probably nearly 30 years uh, and I'm still failing at it but they give you this kind of um, uh, nail polish that you put on that's meant to taste horrible uh, and, and it's meant to put you off biting your fingernails it's not worked for me yet but uh, maybe I'll give it up for Lent and we'll see what happens uh, but so often we give something up and it's not because those things are necessarily bad uh, there's nothing evil about biting your fingernails uh, as much as my wife will try and tell me to stop biting your nails um, there's nothing wrong with it necessary there's nothing wrong with often the things that we lay down but we lay it down because we're seeking something better and this is what we see with Paul Paul has shown that he has laid some stuff down that in and of themselves most of them are not bad things there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves I mean I'll probably argue that persecuting the church isn't great but the other stuff there's nothing wrong in and of themselves but Paul is saying that actually I'm laying them out I see them as lost because I've actually found something far better he had everything Paul had all he thought he needed. He had the heritage, he had the upbringing, the education. But there comes a moment when he realises that all that he thought proved his worth before God was actually keeping him from God. And he describes these impressive credentials, things that Paul thought were evidence that he made the cuts. But now as he reflects back, we see in verse seven, but everything that was gained to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. Paul counted everything that he previously had that was enough is now a loss because he realized that he didn't actually allow him to stand before God. It actually was stood before him and God. Now, the stuff in and of itself isn't bad, but what happens is Paul realizes his reliance and his pride is in having accomplished that which he thought he needed to be what he thought God was calling him to be. Surely all this stuff, it maximizes my position before God. But actually what it did is it minimized his reliance on God. I don't need grace. Who needs grace when I've got everything I need? Who needs a savior when I uh, can make the grade myself? Who needs grace? That's for the flawed. That's for the weak. So we try our hardest to follow the rules so we don't actually have to rely on God. We try and create a world in and of ourselves where we can manage it. We can control it. We don't need to rely on God. But when Paul encountered Jesus, he realized he could and would never be able to prove himself. He's not in as much control as he thinks. In fact, all that he thought was gain is now loss. We move on to verse eight it says i have considered everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing christ jesus my lord i love the growth that we see in paul in those two verses if you see in verse seven he said i considered everything uh, i considered all that stuff to be lost and now in next verse he said now i consider everything to be lost 
He's gone from the point where he's reflecting on that which he's laid down, his heritage, his education. I considered all of that loss, but now I consider everything to be loss. I want to encourage us that in our journey with Jesus, it's, it's growth. It is a journey and there is room for growth. Some of you in this season might feel discouraged that you're not showing the growth that you think you should. This season has been a struggle and it's revealing some stuff. And maybe you're thinking, I thought I was, I thought I got more going for me with God than this. I didn't think this would be the struggle. But I want to encourage you and say, look, when Paul looks back, he says, I considered all that stuff. But 30 plus years has passed. And now I consider all of this to be lost. There's growth in Paul's life. And I want to encourage you, maybe in 10, 20, 30 years time, you'll start to see what God is doing in and through you parents as we disciple our kids give them room for growth mature believers in our church give room for growth to our new believers that might be struggling to lay down certain things maybe for you you're still struggling years on to lay things down Paul is saying I considered but now I consider all of this loss there is growth in that period between verse 7 and verse 8 it's the discipleship journey and I want to encourage us as a church to nurture each other into that journey for Paul he starts to see that everything he had is nothing compared to the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. The language that Paul is using here is accountancy language. Now, I'm not a maths person. I'm more of a kind of English arts person. But I'm told that in accountancy, as you report uh, transactions and record uh, equations, all that kind of mathematical language, you use a balance sheet. And there's a profit column and there's a loss column. This is the, the imagery that Paul is using. And he's saying that there was a time when the profits column looked impressive. He had all the assets where they needed to be. The loss side was completely clear and the profit side was full. Circumcised on the eighth day of the right nation, of the right tribe. Speak the right language, 100% born and bred. And all of that tips the scales. So I am in the profit. But now Paul has discovered something to put on that credit side that in comparison with which everything else he can imagine can only ever be seen as a debt. And that something is, in fact, someone and it's Jesus. Compared to Jesus, Paul considers everything to be a loss. That He thought the sums worked out. He thought it fell on his favour. But compared to knowing Jesus, who he is and what he has done, I realised the maths were completely off. And so all that filled that profits column, all those assets, they've been moved over to the loss column. They're now my liabilities. I wonder if we're being honest where do we find our significance? What do we hold on to for approval and acceptance and security? This COVID season, I think, has been one that has exposed for so many the things that we hold on to for significance and security. That which we find our meaning in and we place our significance in when it disappears or when it doesn't look like it used to and it starts to change. Where do we go? When we're hurt, where do we run? What soothes our pain? When we fail, what restores our confidence? When we feel like life, life is chaotic, what's our immediate instinct to regain control? For Paul, his security was in his heritage. For us, it could be our work. We work hard to be approved and accepted and feel secure. It could be our habits. Maybe we run to habits to have a sense of comfort or control in our life. 
could be our family, that when our family looks like it needs to before everybody else and the children are smartly dressed and behaving as they should and the family's successful, then my reputation is intact. Maybe it's money. When our bank balance is low, we feel insecure and a lack of self-worth. But the bigger the bank balance makes me feel good, gives me the comfort and the security I need. It's so easy to run to things other than Jesus to make ourselves feel good and find worth and significance. Paul says all of that stuff that gave me the significance and the security and the stability that I thought I needed, that I thought it would give me actually is a loss. It doesn't measure up. It fails in comparison to knowing Jesus, my Lord. Do you know it's the language that Paul uses? He says, knowing my Lord. The word that Paul uses here for knowing is not a head knowledge kind of knowing. The picture actually is, is, is a great picture to have on this Valentine's Day. Uh, it's the picture of a husband knowing his wife. And I don't just mean intellectually knowing of that is my wife, but the images of a husband and wife coming together on a wedding night. We've just got married. I thought I knew my wife, but now on the wedding night, now I know my wife. It's not simply knowing that she is my wife. It's the intimate knowing that we are husband and wife. We are now one. So it's not simply about knowing that Jesus is Lord. This is about knowing Jesus is my Lord. Paul could only see that all he'd achieved and gained was lost compared to the high privilege of knowing Jesus was because Jesus is my Lord. This has got personal. And if, if our relationship with Jesus isn't personal, then all this talk of surrender and obedience and laying stuff down and seeing all that we've achieved as lost compared to Jesus, it will seem completely outrageous. It will feel like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he finds one of great value, he goes away and sells absolutely everything he owns so he can purchase that one pearl. What a crazy man. He's got no home. He's got no clothes. He, he sold everything. And now he's got this one pearl. What a crazy merchant. Some of you may have heard of John Wimber. John Wimber is the founder of the Vineyard Churches, and he was a musician, a very successful musician who became a Christian. And when he did, there was this real struggle in his life, his lifestyle, his career. It all defined him. But over time, he started to see his career and his aspirations dissolve. I just want to read some of John Wimber's story to you. He says this. I said goodbye to my music friends and decided to get a regular job. Suddenly I was plunged into the real world where alarm clocks go off, where people get up and go to work in broad daylight. I had never done this. In a matter of weeks, I was working in a factory, clocking in and learning how to relate to normal people. One day I was assigned to clean some oil drums behind the factory. It was hot, filthy, smelly work. It was the most menial task they had. And the reason they had me doing it was because it was about the only thing I could do. I was down inside one of these oil drums when I heard a car drive up. A familiar voice said, where's John Wimber's office? Reluctantly, I came out of the oil drum. There stood one of my old partners from the music business. In his hand was a contract I assigned and it was worth a lot of money. In order for him to fulfill it, I had to relinquish my part in it. He just stood there staring at me. I was a mess. I had grease all over me, my hands, my clothes, my face, my hair. Finally, he said, what are you doing here? I looked at him and then looked at myself. I looked at him again and looked at myself. I could see myself as I must have looked through his eyes. And right at that moment, I didn't particularly feel as if I had the pearl. I could not think of a single thing to say. As I watched my friend drive away, I realized that sometimes there is no way to explain obedience and sacrifice to God to those who do not see the value of the pearl. 
You see, for Paul, just like John, Jesus was my Lord. And that changes everything. For Paul, he would suffer so many things. In fact, in verse eight, it says, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them done. Paul has suffered shipwrecks and, and beatings. But all of that stuff and all of the stuff that he's lost, all of his identity, all of his education, all of the finance, everything that he'd lost. None of that was value to me compared to Jesus. In fact, all of that was like dung. And what we have here, as Paul says, consider them as dung. We have uh, what is the closest word to an expletive in the New Testament. Uh, the word is scubalon. And uh, it's not quite a swear word, but I'm not going to say the closest English word, because if I do, then I will probably be in a whole heap of scubalon uh, um, and get told off. Um, but the word describes um, sanitation in cities like Philippi. And it's open gutters and sewers running down the side of the street. And the, the, the gutters would lead through the dung gate and they would end up in a ditch. And in this ditch, it was filled with all of the rubbish that was being put out of the city. Food waste, human waste. It was scubalon. And Paul says, I've suffered the loss of so much following Jesus. But compared to knowing him, all of the stuff that I've lost it is like the stuff in that ditch anyway. It's worth as much to me as the waste that leaves my body so that I may gain Christ. And I love this shift in these verses. Paul has spent so much time speaking about what he's given up. And for some, it's just way too much. For some, it's like the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what must you do? Oh, interesting. OK, if you think this is about you, then you need to go and sell everything that you have accomplished and that has made you who you are. And the wealthy man can't do it. And he walks away. But Paul has seen the value of the pearl. He suffered the loss of so much, but he's like, it's like rubbish to me because I have gained Christ. And Paul now starts to talk about the stuff that he has gained through Christ. And he says in verse, the end of verse eight, so I may gain Christ and into verse nine and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God based on faith. See, when we gain Christ, it means we can be found in him beginning of verse eight, and be found in him. The word found here is a really interesting one because it means both being found right now, but also being found in the future. It's present and future tense. And Paul says, what I've gained from being Jesus is not just a security and identity in this world. I've got that in Jesus. It is mine right now, but also in the future. When I stand before God on judgment day, there will be a security and identity that is not based on me and what I've accomplished. It's based on Jesus. The image of being found in him is one that Paul uses over a hundred times in his letters. And it's about union. It's about being one with Jesus. You may have heard the phrase people say, when good God looks on you, he sees Jesus. That's what Paul's getting at here, that we are found in Jesus. He unpacks it more in Romans 6, if you want to read it, where he talks about baptism. And those that are baptized were baptized into the death, burial and resurrection. Baptism is something hugely significant. It's where we book. It's this image of us becoming one with Jesus. When God looks on you, he sees Jesus. And likewise, when he looks on Jesus, he sees you. Paul writes it in his letter to the Colossians where he says, our life is hidden with Christ in God. It's a bit like this glass. Uh, we've been doing homeschooling, like I say we. Cara has been doing the homeschooling and she is a, a masterclass at uh, creative learning. And so uh, this has inspired me to try and uh, explain a little bit about what it means to be in Christ. And it's like this glass. And I've got one of my uh, son's figures here who he thinks is me, which I, I see as a great uh, uh, badge of approval. Uh, he calls this daddy. Um, I'm going to put daddy into this thing, into this glass. Now, when you look at this glass, you can't see the figure without seeing the glass. And likewise, you can't see the glass 
without seeing the figure. This is the image of what Paul says it is to be in Christ. When we're in Jesus, we are in union with him now and into the future. Doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that God is blinded to your flaws and can't see any of them. But what it means is, is I look on you and I see you as a son and a daughter. I look on you and I see Jesus. That your life is hidden in him. And that is true for every single one of us that says yes to Jesus as my Lord. And this is so significant because when we're found in him, it means, Paul said, that we don't have a righteousness that is our own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be stood before God now or into the future, having to scrabble around for proof in and of myself that I am righteous. Now, the word righteous is not one that's really used outside of the church. You might remember it from 90s TV shows where turtles dress up as teenagers and ride skateboards and eat pizza. That kind of righteous uh, uh, dude type thing. But it's a word that we use in the church and it's hugely significant. Paul uses it as a, it's a legal word in his day. It was a word that was used in a court of law. And what you would have is you'd have a judge. You'd have no jury. It was the judge that would make the call on the case and would decide between two opponents which one was going to be justified. Uh, justified is the just means that the declaration the judge would make one of you righteous and the, the declaration of being made righteous simply means that you're the one that is in the right the judge would declare you righteous saying you uh, you are righteous you are in the right and they are in the wrong and Paul says in this moment right now there is nothing outside of Jesus that can put me in the right it is he who knew no sin but became sin so I could become the righteousness be made right with God because of Jesus Jesus alone right now as I sit in this moment and when I stand before God on judgment day. It's not about my identity. It's not about the security that I find in my finance and my family and everything else. All of that stuff, there's nothing wrong with it. But Paul says it's not enough. Instead, he says, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. So the righteousness, our being made right with God is from God. It's nothing that we can do. And the declaration of our right standing is based on faith. So what's faith? I, I looked at the dictionary definition of faith and it says a strong belief in doctrines of a religion. Now, some of you might struggle with that language, but, I, you know, I, the fact is that we, we have strong belief in the doctrine that Jesus is God. Uh, it, it's a fair definition. We believe that Jesus is the saviour of humanity. But it's not a full definition of faith. Faith is not simply about belief. I can have belief uh, that, that in someone. It doesn't mean that I put my faith in that person. I can believe and, and have faith that in your workplace there is a boss and you work for that boss. But it doesn't mean I put my faith in that boss. That boss doesn't become my boss. Belief, faith is more than just belief. One scholar says that faith is belief plus loyalty. Yes, you believe Jesus is the saviour of the world, that he's the creator and the completer and the Lord of all things, that in him we will see the renewal and restoration of all things. Yes, you can believe in that. There's some doubt in all of that. Of course there is, but we take it to him and we, we, we journey with him because we believe in him. Yes, belief, faith is belief, but it's also loyalty. That Yes, I, tr I believe in who Jesus is, but I also trust in him and I lean on him and I walk faithfully with him and I hold on to him and I'm not going to let go. Yes, it's always faith that saves alone, but faith that saves is never alone. It's faith and faithfulness, belief and loyalty. He is my Lord. 
I believe in who he is and I'm going to faithfully hold on to him because I trust him. And some days that is going to be the hardest thing in the world to do. Other days it will feel like it takes no effort at all, but I am with him and I am not letting go. It is faith and faithfulness. and I'm going to walk with him in his ways and seek to be more like him, faithfully serving him. Until one day we hear the voice, good and faithful servant. That's what Paul is talking about when he says faith. And he goes on, and this is where I want to finish. Time is running away. Verse 10. I've only got like seven pages of notes left, so don't worry. We'll, we'll finish before uh, dinner this evening. Verse 10, it says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. Wow, when we gain Jesus, did you know that the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you? The power of the resurrection, the same power that caused blind eyes to see, that sees the lame walk, that raised Jesus from the grave. We now live with that power inside of us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. If we could only understand part of what it means to live our lives in the power of the resurrection. As we pray for the sick, as we speak life into the hopeless, as we as we live as a non-anxious presence in our town, all because of Jesus in us, his spirit within us. As we step into this world, spirit of God is with us and in us. The promise of scripture is that Jesus rose again. And on the third day, there was a resurrection power released into the world. And Jesus is moving all of history towards that resurrected world, just as he was resurrected. Not just a better world where things work out for the best, but the world as it was originally intended to be. That power of his resurrection. And Paul says, I want to know Jesus and his power all the more because it is the answer to the world in which we live. Wow, this incredible resurrection power. We are third day people. I love it. Paul, want, Paul wants to experience this power of the resurrection. He goes on, my goal is to know him and the power of the resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Oh, hang on. We're talking about what we gain from Jesus. And I, I like the stuff we gain. I like the fact that we're found in him, that it's his righteousness, not mine, because I know I'm no good at it. And I like the power bit, but I'm not sure about this pain bit. Fellowship in his sufferings, partnering with him in his sufferings. No, I think, thank God you can, you can leave that one. Thanks very much. I, I don't like that bit. But you see, what Paul has come to understand is that the resurrection always comes on the other side of the cross. Hope always comes on the other side of despair. Glory always comes on the other side of suffering. For some, maybe you think your suffering is evidence that Jesus is nowhere to be seen, that God has given up on you, when actually it's the very thing that God is using to form something in us that will cause us to be more like Jesus than we ever could have been. Paul understands that it's in times of suffering, something can happen within us that shapes us to be more in the image of Christ than we ever could have had outside of that. And if we allow the spirit of God to work in and through those experiences, there is a forming, there is a conforming to the image of Jesus. I know so many in our church have been through some desperate times. And for all of us, this past 12 months have been <clears throat> horrific in, in, in ways we could never imagine. God never wastes a hurt. And what the enemy might seem to be seeking to bring you down, God does use those things for good. And it, the, the good in it is that he is forming something in and through that suffering. Does it make it any less painful? No. But we know that Jesus, you suffered. You went through the isolation. You see, there was a garden called Gethsemane, a garden that means oil press. 
the garden that will press Jesus just like an olive is pressed. And as we experience this pressing, it's like an olive being pressed where one third of that olive is water and it gets washed away. The other third is the pulp that remains and it's not really good for anything. But one third of that oil that is pressed is an oil that rises to the top. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it's in that pressing where Jesus is deserted by those closest to him because they cannot stay awake for a single hour. Jesus knows the suffering of having those who are closest to you desert you. There are some that are listening to this, those that you have invested in the faith. You, you, have, you have brought them up like your own children. You have, you have, you have given everything to them. You, you love them. You, you are for them. And now you feel deserted. There are those of you that your own children that you have you have grown up and, and you, have, you have spent years investing in and they've turned away from the faith and your heart breaks. There are those that relationships that are broken. Jesus knows what that moment feels like. He knows the loss. He knows the uncertainty. He knows the overwhelming despair and the desire to escape the pain. Some of you have been praying that pain away. God, will you get me out of this? Can I tell you, Jesus prays that prayer three times. Oh, God, will you take this cup from me? If that isn't a prayer of escape, then I don't know what is. If Jesus was pressed, do those of us that seek to live, love and look like him think we can achieve that outside of suffering? It can be so easy to see suffering is the evidence of the lack of God's presence when actually it's the affirmation of his conforming. When I'm suffering, when there's accusation, when I'm being pressed, I know that I'm journeying alongside Jesus, the one who is utterly familiar with suffering. And there is a forming taking place, a painful pruning, absolutely. And I want to I want to pray all the time. God, will you will you get me out of this? Take this cup from me. But actually what we see in Jesus's prayer is within that prayer of a desire for escape, there's also a, a willingness to let God be God. Not my will, but your will. God, will you get me out of this, but not my will, your will. In me, through me, forming me. Will you shape me into the image of Jesus for the sake of the world? Yes, through your power, but also through your pain. Yes, through the strength, but also through your suffering. And if you're suffering right now, I want to encourage you. The garden is not where it ended for Jesus. The garden is not where it will end for you. The garden may seem to nearly overwhelm Jesus. The cross is the thing that will take his life. But on the other side of that cross, there is a resurrection. There is a power which is not diluted. Instead, it is proved. And for those facing the suffering, the loss, the abandonment, the isolation, the pressing right now. No, the garden is not the end. It doesn't have the final say. Instead, Paul affirms in, in, in verse 11, he said that there is a resurrection from among the dead. Not that when we die, we float around on the clouds for the rest of eternity. But there is a day where we will see the full power of the resurrection, where all the brokenness and the pain, all that has caused us to weep. One day, every tear will be wiped away. Yes, the tears that we have weeped, but also the tears that we have caused. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. Yes, the pain that you have been through, but also the pain that I have caused. And the old order of things will be passed away and God will show his complete power in making all things new with the complete renewal of all things with a new heaven and a new earth. Fully, completely put back as it was intended to be. It's the power of the resurrection that comes beyond the garden of pressing. I want to encourage you and I'm going to, I've gone over time and we normally try and finish these things. Uh, but I just sense that God just wants to minister into your life right now as Ben and Vicky just start to play. I want to invite the spirit of God just to do what only he can do, which is meet you right where you're at. 
There was a missionary, Jim Elliott, who said this, he is no fool who gives up what, it ca what he cannot gain for that which he cannot lose. You might be in this season of giving up some stuff. Maybe God is taking some things. But what you gain, what you gain in Jesus. Oh, what we gain in Jesus, Paul says, far outweighs anything that I've lost. My comfort, my reputation, my education, all those things were destined to go anyway and dissolve like snow. But not Jesus. He remains. And right now, as I stand in this place and in the future to come, I can be found in him. So church, I pray right now as we as we invite the Holy Spirit that he would strengthen you. Not with a brute force strength that presents something to the world, but an inner strength. But in Christ, you will live as you open the door and invite him in. My Lord, you're my Lord. And I ask that you'd be overwhelmed with his love. Vast dimensions of his grace. And that as you are put through the tests of life, that as, as, you, as you test, as you're put through that pressing, you'd see that even in that place, in the depths of that place, his love is there. As you go to the heights, you'd know that his love is there. That we would live lives for the fullness of God. So now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Holy Spirit, I just ask as we sing right now, will you just, will you move by your presence? And I encourage you right now, there's a prayer request button that you can hit. And you can pray and you can send a prayer request through to us. Uh, maybe you need someone just to Zoom with you this week and pray with you. Uh, put that on that prayer request. Maybe you just need to write it out and know that somebody is praying with you. But I want you to know that Jesus is with you. No matter how isolated, no matter how far away you feel. We get to declare our faith in him, our belief and our loyalty to Jesus my Lord, no matter what we go through. Ben, Vicky, will you lead us?
for joining with us today and uh, John thanks for that uh, powerful message this morning I want to leave you with these words from the book of Jude now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. I hope you have a fantastic week. I look forward to seeing you next week.